Hi everyone, my name is Austin Nauert. I'm the Senior Film Programming Conference Manager here at South by Southwest. Hope everyone's enjoying. I think it's day four of South by. They're all starting to run together now, but uh, I hope everyone's having a good time. Hope everyone's glad to be back in Austin. It's great to see everyone. Uh, so real quick, um, there's this thing called daylight savings, and uh, it doesn't happen in the UK, or it hasn't happened yet in the UK. So we were hoping to have the cast, some of the cast join from set. We know we're gonna have at least one cast member. We're hoping to get the rest on the phone. Uh, we, we were hoping to have this from the Ted Lasso set, which was gonna be um, amazing, uh, but we're working to get the rest on. But uh, we are gonna hopefully have at least three of the cast members uh, join virtually with us here today. Um, but before that happens, I do want to uh, just say, I mean, Ted Lasso is just such an amazing show. I know in the pandemic, it's just been like a balm almost to like watch. I know especially in 2020 when the first season launched and then the second season this year has just been incredible. Uh, so we're so excited to have some of the people behind the show here to talk about it with us here today. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna bring out um, our moderator who is the Chief Operations Officer at Digital Film Tree uh, and just one of my favorite people to work with here. So uh, please welcome to the stage, Nancy Jundee. You'd be surprised how little I had to pay him to say those things. Uh, so, do me a favor here, folks. Today, we're gonna do things the Ted Lasso way, and we're gonna be a bit flexible, eh? So, the plan was, and I'm gonna give you a little treat, it's already up on the website, but Ted Lasso himself, Jason Sudeikis, is hopefully gonna join us live from a location set. And then we got Brendan Hunting, who is in the car, and we're gonna meet him too. And hopefully, Roy Kent. He will be joining in Transpo. You might actually get to see them in the locker room. They are on their way from a location and then will be hopefully sitting in that locker room. But how many of you guys saw a motion in the edit last year? Hands up. South by Southwest panel? No. Okay, we got a couple. So that went over like gangbusters because until that point, I think a lot of people did not know that there were VFX in the show and how meticulously detail-oriented the edit is. So, first and foremost, I'm gonna bring out American Cinema Editor, Eddie Award-winning editor, Melissa McCoy, ACE. Come on out, lady. You know her work on the pilot. The past two seasons, she has been doing like episode one, three, five, seven, et cetera. She's gonna do the finale this season. She's on the, the even numbers. And now, Emmy Award-winning supervising producer who, uh, let me just, let's do a drinking game, okay? Kip Kroger likes to start sentences with the word, look. So, if any of you brought your morning drinky poo or whatnot, just catch him and give a little giggle every time you hear that one. Ladies and gentlemen, Emmy Award-winning supervising producer, Kip Kroger. We're gonna get settled, we're gonna be a little bit cozy here, and then, guess who we're gonna have? Coach Beard, can you hear us? Brendan Hunt? Yes. Brendan Hunt, <laughs> welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Look, it's London. That's not a truck, it's a lorry. Mario <laughs> London, thank you, Brendan Hunt, Coach Beard. I don't know how often I'm gonna slip in and out of that. I don't know how to say Ted Lasso without saying it. 
to Lassar. <laughs> so, all right, this is a little bit of a repeat here. So there's historic archival stuff that you can go back and watch with Kip and Melissa. So today we're gonna do a little bit of focus here on Brendan. So one of my favorite things here, sorry, buddy, I know, that was a face. <laughs> one of my favorite things here is that you, Jason, and Joe Kelly, EPs, writers, uh, stars except for Joe, you spent quite a bit of time in Amsterdam coming up with so many different characters, working on your craft, gelling the way that you have. Can you even, at this point, how do you look back on that and juxtapose it with today, what you guys are doing, you know, that was quite a time in your lives that is now playing out on, uh, Brendan, I wish I could show you this room. Wish I could show you, you packed it out here, dude. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I only half packed it, but a lot of people in that room disappointed they're not going to see Brett, which is how I react any day I don't see Brett. So <laughs> that's fine. Um, yeah, so we, for those who don't know, we worked in Amsterdam for uh, different periods of time for a uh, sketch and improv theater called Boom Chicago. Um, it's in Amsterdam, but we do uh, the shows in English because Dutch people speak better English than we do, which is irritating. Um, and that's where uh, we not only became like professional actors for the first time, performing almost every night, um, but we also got into football, soccer, if you will. Um, so I don't know. I mean, one of the things I look back at is like there were a lot of times I was getting into soccer where I would spend you know, a, the whole of a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon at the Irish bar next to our theater just watching this new wonderful thing called soccer. Um, and, uh, you know, a few years ago, you might have looked back at that and called it wasted time. But now, 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 it was research. There we go. Yes. Now we got it. We got it. There we go. Straight and the punchline still landed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such as it is. Um, boy. As fun as this already is, when we add the regular Zoom tech problems to this, it's really going to be juicy. Let's, <laughs> let's manage those expectations, everybody. It's going to be fun. Uh, you, well, we, we always like to keep it interesting, though, Brendan. I mean, honestly, again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, fix right. we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Well, let's see, let's see how this bad boy stabilizes. In the meantime, I actually want to build a little bit of bridge here with what you just set up. You are the bona fide soccer nut on, on the team. Like you, uh, to be fair, I actually don't even know that you know that I'm on the other side of the previs. So it's you and I, we're getting the notes from Pedro that then go through you when we're doing the, the, the animations. And so when we get notes from you and then it goes on to editorial, it goes over to Kip and... For those who didn't see the panel last year, it's something called previs, pre-visualization. And so we get a script and we get some notes and something called steelomatics where we actually hear from Brendan. This is what's interesting to me. Even in the football sequences, each of those shots matter to build the story, to build drama, to build comedy, to build whatever's going on in each of these characters. And so I kind of want to tag team with Mel and Brendan here about how how you guys work with that because I'll get notes from back from editorial I think we really need this shot but it's still what you're scripting out Brendan tell me about that um well yeah I mean the, the getting the football done is a real like takes a village moment um and uh and oh my god I see Brett Goldstein Gotta put him up on the... All right, Brett's going to need some time to find the exact right angle. 
I don't I don't have that uh, that degree of, of, of self interest. No, you're that's horrible, Brad. Right? Anyway. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, Brad, I'm in the middle of answering a uh, what an question. Ad. What an ad <laughs> Sorry. Go go. Do 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 oh, this. Boy. This is. <laughs> uh, football takes a village, and our both people are great, and Pedro's great, and we're at the point now where you know we used to write really meticulous football, but now we can be a little more vague about it because then Pedro and company just kind of know what they're doing now, and you know, and uh, and and they just get a ton of stuff, um, and then uh, and then Mel and AJ take it from there. Um, but it is fantastic, you know, it's pretty great watching it all come together because it's so bare bones at the beginning. Um, and of course, you know, Kip and the rest of the post people, y'all, y'all, um, <laughs> filling in like the stadium and the scoreboard and the graphics and all that. It's, it's ridiculous what we're doing <laughs> for this thing. Well, oh, and we lost Brett. Good. No, that no. was really good. Oh, he's back. Hey! <laughs> Mel, <laughs> will you fill it, fill it in there for me? Like what happens when you're start, starting to cut these scenes together? I mean, like there's a big difference between, uh, the script all the way through till final, it changes. Like we, you know, huge shout out to Bill Lawrence for joining us last year and kind of giving us a look into the edit room and how the post-production is an extension of the writer's room. What happens when you start getting all of this in? Like, you know what these guys are doing here today. We can't talk about season three, but. I don't know anything. You don't know anything. We don't know anything, folks. But tell me, like, how do you start piecing that together? Because I know you start with the script, but then we get all of this. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a process. It's an editorial where the final write of the, you know, the script. They, you, you have the, the script. You have what you shoot, and then you have what you get at the end. Um, but yeah, with the with the previs, with the steelomatics, like a lot of stuff's the intercut. There's all these wonderful characters that we have to like tell all these different stories. So you know, a lot of times we'll get the football at a different time. So then we have to try to visualize. Um, okay, this story, and then this goes into this, and how are we going to connect it all? And so having those uh, previs or steelmatics is really great to kind of get the rhythm. And then uh, we start getting the football in, and then that's really exciting because you can really um, form the story that way. And then it goes on, and we build out the whole stadium. And Because we just put the sound in. It's like you put in the huge crowd, and I have to sit there and think, like, this shot's going to be awesome once we get the, the crowd in. So I have to sit there and visualize that. We put we'll put temp sound in just to hear the crowd so you kind of get the idea because these guys do an amazing job of of acting like there's a lot of people in the crowd. Well, um, well they're I, really good actors. I don't know if anybody knows that. They're like I, the best I think actors. They have a pile of awards even yeah. last night adding to the trophy case. Congrats, Mr. Goldstein, on your Critics' Choice Award. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I'm still trying to play catch up on what the fuck is going on right now. <laughs> uh, hey, Brett, how happy are you, though, that uh, you don't have to actually play the football on screen now? Pretty happy. <laughs> uh, I did just rewatch, was it uh, Lavender or no, Rainbow, where, where poor Brett has to run again. When Dailies came in and I was like, why is he running in 900 different shots on this one? Uh, <laughs> Brett, can you tell me, like, I went, I combed through a couple of the episodes that you've written. How involved do you then get in, in editorial, in building a lot of the, the going from script all the way through into how it's tweaked in the edit? 
Do you just keep yourself on screen as much as possible, or how does that work? <laughs> I keep him on screen uh, for as long as Mel possible. Mel does. You know Mel. <laughs> yeah. God bless you, Mel. God bless you. <laughs> um, how, how much am I involved from script to the end? Is that your question? Yes. Uh, as much as I'm allowed to be? <laughs> as, as, uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm sort of there as much as... I, I'm there as much as needed. How about that? How about that? So is that an answer? That, I'm there. You know, I'm there from the from the beginning when we're planning the episodes, and then when we get down to the edit thing, I'll watch, I'll watch rough cuts and stuff, and uh, may make a suggestion here and there. But these guys know what they're doing. <laughs> Well, hold on. Brett's, Brett's underselling here because I, I think Brett and Brendan and Jason and Joe make up this brain trust that uh, that, that likes to bring it home with us uh, when we get when it gets into Mel and AJ's hands. So, it's it's a fun process. Like I get to watch you guys kind of get send us a script at the beginning, and then all of a sudden at the end, it's the same thoughts, and you guys sort of just driving it home and needling like right into exactly where it's going to land. It's 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 fun. I'm not gonna let you totally yeah. undersell, Brett. <laughs> well, okay, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Kim. Remember, I'm English and I can't, um, <laughs> you know, sell myself. So this is why I need you there. That's what I'm here for. It's all good. Look Thank at you. Kip, supervising that, supervising that production. Well, and I think while we're waiting to get Brendan back here, part of the bridge that I wanted to build with that, because again, Jason, Joe, and Brendan had all actually spent a lot of time together in Amsterdam. There's, there's this brotherhood there. Brett, you kind of came into this. You came into the Doozer world. There's a lot of mentorship that goes on, a lot of camaraderie. And you guys are writing a show kind of taking apart these archetypes of masculinity. Some of them toxic, some of them encouraging, some of them overly positive. And we don't, you know, I, I don't know that there's even photos of the writer's room, but I mean, half of it happened in a pandemic. So I'm, I'm looking at this writer's room, combing over your guys' scripts, the tweaks that you had to make for Nate's trajectory, the tweaks that you had to make for Roy Kent's trajectory. And you've given so many, so many interviews about how you knew this character. When you first read mm -hmm. the first scripts, you knew this character. How, how responsible do you feel for these journeys? How are you looking at them? That's kind of why I was asking about the edit, like taking it from what's in your head oh, when you're writing right. it through. Uh, look, I feel, I feel really... Uh, you know, do you know what? I, it is difficult, isn't it? Because I don't like to say anything. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Kip, don't let about, him get away with it. I care about it very much. I care about all the characters. Genuinely feel, you know, look, sometimes me and Jason talk about it, like, it's obsession. Like, I'm obsessed with this world, with the characters. I'm thinking about it nearly all the time to the detriment of all other aspects of my life. And uh, you get so immersed in the world of it and in ideas for how and, and it's easy the more the more we've done you know I've said this but like doing season two was arguably like I don't know if it was easier but it was more exciting because you knew the actors now and you knew these characters so well that it was exciting to write for them because you kind of got a sense of how they would play it and like I think the stuff with Nate was really exciting because we know what a fucking good actor he is and there was 
Give it a suck. <laughs> so you could take him to the beginning to the end. Something to do with the size of a performance in take one, they did it bigger in take two, they did it smaller in that, so the story makes more sense. Stuff like that. That's where the suggestions of the brain trust come in, I guess. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Um, well, Kip, let me ask you that because... Well, no, because you guys modulate this stuff. Like, that's what's so neat, I think, yeah. is, is by you guys, you know, by you and Brendan and Jason, you know, and Joe, because he's embedded with you guys all through production, you start with the script where you kind of, you lay the blueprint, but then you're all there mm -hmm. on set together modulating the performances. You guys all kind of seem to work to find is it bigger, smaller, and, and which is the right yeah. flavor to carry the weight of the story through. And that, and then you have the choices in the edit, so. It's all what, what, it's all Jason calls it dials. It's always, we can dial it up, we can dial it down. And sometimes when, if something doesn't quite feel right, it may just be adjusting the dials. And, uh, but it's usually, yeah, it's all there. And look, you know, all of it goes through, in the end, it's, it's, I would, it's like Jason is, it's all gets filtered through the final fine paint of Jason, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of brings up a, a really good point. I think we've talked about this before, the wiki that lives in Jason's head. And I feel like all of you maybe have different portions of that wiki. Like he'll share just a little bit as much as he needs to know for the scene. Um, there was a really good example where Hannah Waddingham and uh, Rupert, the, the gentleman who plays Rupert, I'm so sorry, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fans, I know, it's like a big deal. Um, but that... But Jason had shared kind of a background that happens in that moment when Rupert comes in and says that he and Bex are having a baby and why this is such a tough conversation. We never see it on screen, but it's in Jason's head. And he can share that to, to bring out those emotions that then translate to us on screen. Brett, how often does he do that to you on set versus in the writer's room? Or do you have the whole wiki at this point? Uh, how often does he tell me like a, I'm about to have Kind of like the backstory. How often does he drop little nuggets on you right before camera rolls? I think we got it. In, in case anybody's wondering, Brett's going through a tunnel right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I got that one in there. Um, well, Kip, do you actually get the wiki nuggets? Well, no. I, one of the things that's interesting about Jason is that a lot of the nuggets and a lot of the wiki don't necessarily make it to screen. Brendan's back! <laughs> <laughs> he just came out of the tunnel. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right? Brendan, uh, just to catch you up, we're talking about the wiki in Jason's head, and I threw it to Kip over here because I'm wondering if he actually gets any of the wiki nuggets. I mean, Brendan, I think you're you're about as wikified as anybody at this point. But I, I was just saying that I think a lot of the stuff with um, with Jason that's interesting is when we'll be sitting in the cutting room and going through the show, he'll start sharing deep, deep backstory that's informed, you know, the context of scenes or the perspective of the of the characters and stuff like that, and it doesn't necessarily ever make it onto screen, but it informs so much of what's going on. And I guess the question that we're interested in from you is how much of that um, do you go into it knowing? How much of it do you guys come up with really on set while you're going through it? Or, or where does it all land for you guys? 
Um, I think it largely comes from the writer's room. You know, I mean, Jason generally has a starting point that he kind of thinks for each of these characters. And then we all sort of chime in um, and, uh, and it, you know, it changes uh, or does not change based on those conversations. But it's, it's definitely, a you know, starts in the writer's room. But like, yeah, stuff that we, you know, came up with sort of off the cuff, you know, writing season one in 20, gosh, 18, um, is stuff that is still, yeah, as you say, it's not in the show, but it is affecting why certain characters are making the choices that they are making. Um, I will say we just shot something yesterday that is, uh, that tells you a bit, uh, not yesterday, but uh, Friday, that tells you a bit of, of Rebecca's origins with Rupert in a way that we have talked about, yeah, again, for, you know, almost four years now and, and have been writing from that, but y'all didn't know. (laughs) Tag in, Brett. uh, But now here it comes to, now you will, you know, at least answer that question. (laughs) And I, I suspect we might see more of people's origin stories uh, this year. I don't know. That's cool. By the way, just for context for everybody here at South By, these guys started production last week. They're in their second week of shooting, and that's why we're so lucky yeah, to, I'm to in get park. them in transit. I'm in a park. Signals aren't great, guys. Signals aren't great. <laughs> so Bre- Brendan's at a park. Uh, Brett's in the car. These guys are, are literally shuttling between sets <laughs> right a now. You got you got an F-bomb. you got the you got a F bomb treat there the Roy Kent special the Roy Kent special. Uh, Brendan, let me uh, while I have you, can we dive into episode two hundred nine, Beard After Hours? Yeah. Yes. All right. So. Uh, I know this was this was such a love letter, uh, meticulously crafted. I, I have the high luxury and privilege of getting to know Mel and having forced you to do so many interviews, thank <laughs> God. Um, but just to hear her and Francesca talk about this and the the absolute details that went into this, but I know that it started with you guys, Brett, Jason, Brendan, all of you guys in the writer's room. And I'm not asking you to explain the keys. I'm not asking you to explain the moon. I'm not asking you to explain the seamstress. I'm not going to ask any of that. I just want to know why that episode mattered so much to you guys, to isolate him in such a way. There are a lot of layers that I think people get to Warshack on their own about what that means. There's Jason Sudeikis. I got starstruck. Jumped right in in time to talk hey. about beer. Hey. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> so, but let's, let's talk. <laughs> Uh-oh. We got him. We got oh, wow, him. we got all three of us? Not, oh, on, not here yet. Everybody's not here. That's why there's not a point. There it is. The audience there is not by. here now. There it's we go. Hey, Jason. How's this going? It's going great. It's going really great. Smooth as silk, man. No complaints. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Don't you fret, Boba Fett. We're getting through this. Yeah. What are you guys talking about? (laughs) I mean, you guys could tell Uh, us how your day is going. 
<laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Brandon, we all right. So episode two hundred nine, Beard After Dark. That's where mm-hmm. that's where you're coming into, Jason. And uh, we've already talked quite a bit about how uh, you, Joe, Brendan, did a lot of time in Amsterdam, gelling that brotherhood. Brett coming into all of that with the Doozer world. Congrats to you as well on last night's Critics' Choice. Uh, Huge, huge for the ensemble, huge for you guys as individuals. But we're diving right into Beard 209. I want to know, like I said, I'm not going to ask the particulars. I think it's a war shack for everyone to kind of dive into those layers. But why was it so important to you guys to isolate Beard, (laughs) to have that moment where we could kind of break down the strong, silent, wise guy, you know, wise as in like, anyway, you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Tell me where that came from out of the writer's room all the way through to the passion project, the art piece that I know Mel and Frankie treated this as. Get me there. (laughs) Gosh, I mean, yeah, I, when we, when season two, when when the show took off, and Apple asked us to do two extra episodes, we had already broken all ten episodes for the second season. Like we knew what the the stories were, and so then it was a matter of being like, okay, well maybe we'll do two episodes if we can think of two ideas. Uh, and then so everybody pitched, all the writers pitched like maybe like you know, one, two, three ideas. And I I know I personally has always wanted to do a Coach Beard kind of after hours kind of thing, like where we were, we were with him. Um, and I think part of that truly just comes from knowing Brendan really well and being a fan of his even before I was friends with him. Uh, and I hope to stop being friends with him and just be a fan again any, sometime <laughs> soon. Um, but that's really up to him at this point. Uh, but, you know, and it was really just a way, how do we exploit all of the fun, neat, silly, crazy, weird talents that Brendan hunt as a human man artist has. And then we just kind of like started from there, you know, and, and rooted in the character and, and try to find the, the overlap. Does that sound about right, Brett? I don't think Brendan's yeah, going to I, 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 I think um, there's, there was, it's a love letter to Brendan. There's a lot of, um, you're right. There, there's so many things that I would never want to say about signs and meaning in it and the keys and the and the lighting and the moon and the, what all these things mean and we could analyze all these things but then we could also say we just wanted to make make a show that had an excuse for Brendan to do Hulu because he's fucking brilliant at it <laughs> <laughs> there's that most um, we always knew it was going to end in, in the we knew where the end was I mean yeah I think you're everything's you sort of don't want to spoil it because I love reading all the all the all the ways that people had interpreted that episode. It's really special, and and the more we say on it, the less people start crossing out their essays. Like, oh, I guess that wasn't true. Then you go, no, can be. I think it's also an excuse to get Brendan in those star pants. That was really a big part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every, every every single bit of it, yeah. I will say that. No, I know. Go ahead. No. Oh, I was just going to say that's the episode that people reach out to me about. And and if they're reaching out to the editor, you know that it's like making it somewhere. But like I had a, somebody write me an email that was like, I have a friend of a friend and I got your email and I hope you don't mind, but like I just watched Beard After Hours and like give it all the awards. I was like, thank you. <laughs> like that they took the time to reach out about that episode. Like. And then I went and spoke to a class of students at Columbia College, and 
first question out. You cut Beard After Hours, right? Did you watch a lot of Scorsese movies while you were cutting that? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yes, I did. I pulled a Selma, and I, I was, was yeah, yeah, I was gonna say Selma Schoonmaker with the TCM yeah. in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, for all of you guys, when you are are looking at some look. Fact of the matter is, this is a show that, better or worse, is breaking down, it's, and it's always for the better. You are taking a look at actual real, real relationships, what happens behind any of these dynamics, whether they're power dynamics, romantic dynamics, any of these things. All of us have gone through an experience like with Innate, where you've poured into somebody, you've encouraged them, you want to see the best come out of them, and unfortunately, it does not turn the way that you had maybe hoped. You still believe in redemption, but at the end of the day, you're still gonna feel that pain. So for you guys, even going through something like Beard, sitting there in the church, not knowing you know, what was downstairs and that the dynamic between him and Jane, there are so many small details that you're throwing into the script. Jason, we had just finished talking about the wiki that's in your head. All of these little details that go into these, I, I'm trying to piece together how we get from these the wonderful women in your writer's room as well. Phoebe Walsh, Leanne Bowen, Ashley Nicole Black, the list goes on and on. Like you, and you see it in the moments between Roy and Keeley even when I just need to be left alone. Like all of those little moments come out. Is it happening in the writer's room? How much of it happens on set? Where are these little details? How are you getting them in there? Is it like the larger writer's room? Tell me. There's definitely a lot of people in the writer's room telling Brett to leave them alone. <laughs> you know, right when you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's writing, gonna look really bad. Writing down dialogue. Yeah. That's gonna. Yeah. Exactly. I. I think it's come from all of the above. I think it's it's it happens on set. It happens in the hours before we shoot. It happens maybe the night before. It happens weeks before. It may, some things may occur, be written in notebooks that have been around for, you know, a, a couple of years. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, oh, no, did I lose it? Oh, um, but I think they occur every, every which way. Um, you know, it'd have to be, we'd have to get down to specific moments um, to speak specifically. Well, to be fair, I, I, had, I got to interview you a couple years ago for ACES magazine. And you shared that everything that this show was and ever would be was in that pilot. That's a few years ago. Do you still feel that way? Because honest to goodness, I think that pilot's going to be deconstructed yeah. in classrooms for years to come. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely think it's there. No, I'm, I, th yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't watched it. We watched it at the beginning of the, this, this, uh, season's writing session. We, we watched through all 22 episodes. Um, th this idea that, that you know, sort of shopping from the back of your closet, where, where, where like you forgot about a shirt or you know a t-shirt, a concert t-shirt, and you, you're, you're digging through your stuff, and maybe you're you know you're doing like a Marie Kondo situation, and then you were like, <laughs> oh gosh, here's where that shirt is, and you know instead of trying to you know find it on eBay for 200 bucks, you're like, oh, I've, I've owned it this entire time. It was right there. <laughs> so looking back at the pilot, that was the last time I watched was probably yeah in, in, in September, and yeah, I still I still I still feel that way 100. percent Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to change, unfortunately, because that thing is is locked. It is picture locked. Am I correct, Kev? No, right? Pretty, pretty sure we finished that one. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> we have the extended cut yeah. we could put out, though, you know. Well, oh, promises, cut. promises. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, I think all the ideas from the from the, all those little details come from a bunch of different places, as well as from actors, uh, you know, both in character or even out of playing themselves, versions of themselves, um, or being themselves and just overhearing or talking to them and being like, oh, let's do that. You know, like like knowing that Jeremy, learning that Jeremy Swift could play the stand-up bass, is a bit, you know, with that, and it's like, oh, okay, well, then we know that when he quits, he's going to go home and grow a goatee and be playing the stand-up bass when Hannah, <laughs> you know, when Rebecca comes to apologize to him uh, in 109, I believe. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think even a uh, hometown hero, Brene Brown, permeates that writer's room, and... Uh... You guys have, I think at this point, all done her podcast. And Brett, I think you've gotten her to do your podcast at this point, right? Correct. So the vulnerability, the transparency, the accountability that happens in this show, how, how deep does that go in the writer's room? How much do you guys talk about specifics? And... Um, what's kind of the comfort level then on set? Like Mel, you have, you even have talked about the kind of takes that you get after dailies and, and how to comb through them. One day, even, even though it was funny, like Jason, when he was led Tassar, uh, the fact that he lost his voice going that hard. So for a, a comedy about football, quote unquote, <laughs> how do you guys prep for some of these, these bigger, bigger scenes? I'll say in, in the writer's room, um, we kind of always had a very, um, it's always, I mean, you know, sorry to use a, a, a corny term, I guess, a little bit, but it's always been kind of a safe space, you know? Like, we we get to what these, these characters are going through by talking about what we're going through in the room. Um, and, um, and every trauma is in the notes. They're meticulously held, meticulously held. We're going to put those... <laughs> in the Smithsonian. Um, <laughs> but, but that's something, you know, not to uh, blow Jason's horn too much here, but that, that's a leading by example thing. I mean, you know, ever since season one in the room, when we didn't know what this was going to be yet, and we barely knew each other, just being very, very open about, uh, about stuff we've been through in our lives. And I do think that that had a fundamental role in, in making, making us kind of able to bring that stuff into the show. Do we feel like we're I think the more you talk it? about stuff and you share stuff like that. Oh, good. It's not, it's not my fuck up anymore. Good. <laughs> I'm off the hook. Did I do some? Now it's, we got you. Some, I think we got you back now, Jason. Oh, oh okay. Um, I, what did I just say? <laughs> we don't know. We lost yeah, you right at the either. beginning after Brendan said uh, it's it's a leadership by example. That that's kind of the tone that you set in the room. You were talking about how mm. sharing things uh, is, is sort of the the drive. Yeah. Well, the, the more the, the more you you know you sort of speak towards the stuff you're, that's going on, um, then you realize oh how many of us all go through similar experiences and you feel less alone, which is you know one of the themes of the show. And it, it's, it, you know, it's very, um, 
I, yeah, it's it's like one of those one of those things that that we just sort of had in the process of of, of, of making it that then spilled over. It wasn't like Machiavellian in the sense of like, oh, if I do this, then everyone else will do this. Or if if uh, if if we are interviewing writers and we ask them about their heroes and and who who they who they look up to um, and who were mentors of theirs, then then we'll. we'll it, it, it more is just like, oh, I just have always felt that if someone who their heroes are, you know, and I don't mean like famous people they they aspire to or careers that they loved or work, but just actually people that encourage them. You you can you know sort of learn a lot about someone, you know, same thing with like them playing, you know, like Monopoly, you could probably learn a lot about, about someone doing that too. Um, but we didn't, but we didn't want our interviews to be four hours long. So, and, and boring as hell. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so we talked to them. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know, maybe that comes from an improv background or like, or even SNL where, where you spend all, all, you know, your whole Sunday going out and having experience. And then, so you, you show up on work on, you know, Monday and Tuesday and have something to write about that you just experienced on Sunday, you know, I don't know. Well, kind of while we're on that topic, I, I wanted to ask you something that I actually got to ask. It's a weird thing when you... Go, Brett, go, go, Brett, go. Yeah, go. No, no, I just, uh, I, I'm, it's weird, you know, being in that writer's room, we're in there however many hours a day, all round the table, all together. And I mean, I take it for granted, but fucking hell, we know each other well. Like, it is this weird sort of half, you know, group therapy, family unit that tell each other everything and people cry and hug. And it's, it's when you think about it, it's probably, probably looks very odd if you both heard it. <laughs> but yeah, we've been, you know, it's for this, these people and we've done many months for many, many hours all together. It's a beautiful thing. It's really quite amazing. Anyway, that's what I was going to say. I've just arrived at the place. Does that now mean I moved to a different room? No spoilers. Well, let's yeah. see what happens. No, let's, let's blow their mind. <laughs> to be fair, you got, you got almost 20 minutes. So if you want to jump into uh, the locker room, Richmond AFC, might as well do it. We'll see you from there in a second, yeah? He's already ahead of you. <laughs> I got it. Okay. Uh, well, All right, here we go. I have to here say this much. <laughs> here we go. That's Brett. That's Brett. Hey, Brett, say hi. There Brett. we go. Okay, that's Brett. Yeah. That's Brett. <laughs> it's like an of cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's very dark in here. It's very dark. <laughs> I love it. This is yeah, great. You, got, you guys can't see what we see, but this this crowd here is is just so great to be here to join us for this wild ride. <laughs> you know, guys, let's give a South by uh, hello to uh, to everybody over in the UK. <laughs> this is like that video that Zelensky just did a bit ago. Where you, where you, Proved that he was still in the Ukraine. Remember that? <laughs> he like, was shooting on his phone, and then he went into his like his version of the Oval Office. This is intense. I will say, I, hug. I was here for the South by year where Julian Assange literally uh, zoomed in from like you know the Ecuadorian consul, and uh, yeah. when uh, what was it uh, Edward Snowden zoomed in and was a robot zooming around. So not the weirdest thing that has happened at South by. <laughs> not at all. Look at that's, that. Perfume. That's who I got. I'm on the same Wi-Fi they use. They shared their password with me. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. 
Nice poses, guys. Love it. All right. They made it! Woo! <laughs> so, well, just now to wrap... Yeah. Just to wrap up that thought. Oh, fuck. I'm... Do it. Brett, go. I oh, know, I was making a joke. You were saying just to wrap up just as we got here. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wrapping up the thought, though, uh, I have to thank you probably on behalf of a hell of a lot of folks in this audience and anybody who is going to watch this later. Like Mel said, if people are reaching out to the post-production people, which in part, thank you for being a part of this panel because unsung heroes left, right, and sideways every time. They get cut out of the award stuff. We don't get to honor <laughs> you nearly enough. It is a huge, huge effort that goes into editorial being Tom, you know... <laughs> Yeah. Your colorists, your re-recording mixers, your sound design, your composer, all of it. They're, I could floss my teeth with this show. I think I've watched every episode like 42 times. Okay, that's a very specific number. I've watched it 42 times. That's what I'm, every single detail here. So thank you for supporting the people below the line, the crafts. I know you guys know and love them and honor and appreciate them and showing up for them like this is a big deal. But wrapping up this thought, I think there are a lot of people in this audience, we take the mail on people saying, you know, how this show has impacted their life. The very words, I'd like to make an appointment. I'd like to make an appointment. Gave so many people so much permission. Just honoring that relationships are hard, male dynamics amongst themselves are hard. So going into season three and how much is yet out there, the threads that are, that are still kind of in the wind, um, you know, you've got two teams that we're going to focus on. You've got Nate's new team. You've still got Richmond on the comeback here. How, uh, how are you guys kind of preparing for that? You've got three hats, right? Producers, writers, stars. That, that's a lot to juggle. And poor Kip over here, man, you've got you to gotta help on all fronts. How do you guys prep for this? I mean, other than <laughs> writing the script. <laughs> Sorry, Triple Threat. Well, I mean, I know that you guys just got back together and you're still cranking out scripts, but like there's there's going to be a lot coming together in this. Uh, how do you flip between the focuses, I guess, is probably the first thing. Which hat goes on first? I, I would imagine maybe does actor hat go on last? How do you guys flip between those three major components of any episode? I think you have to be whichever one is going to keep a bunch of people from slowing down. <laughs> you have to like, like you have to like, whichever you have to, wherever the heat is in that moment. So yeah, when you're walking on set, like we did, we shot a scene earlier today where uh, I did, I did give like a, a little speech. And so there it's just about like, okay, just memorize these words. So you don't have to do a bunch of takes and, and you don't ruin other people's takes when the, you know, when the camera's off me, that would be, and then and then, looking ahead for like tomorrow's work, and know that I'm already ahead on those that day's rewrites, so I don't have to. So that he, and then you know, and then I think this. I think the three of us are wearing our cultural icons hat right now. Is that is that what this is? <laughs> <laughs> We're just you know, in in the zeitgeist. This is us serving. 
that 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 beast. But yeah, I think it rotates based on the moment. I don't know. That, that would be my answer. Yeah, I mean, certainly Ryder hat first because we're getting, you know, we were writing the script so much. I mean, Ryder hat and producer hat are kind of the same hat, but like it's a reversible hat. <laughs> uh, and if you light it differently, it looks different. I mean, what doesn't really in the long run? Um, but even even on set, like there's a lot of vacillating back and forth between between the two. You know, even try to do it less when uh, when we're in a given scene, but it's just kind of impossible to to turn, you know, every, because you're trying, you're just trying to sense everything. It's impossible to turn that off completely, which is why I have not won any awards for my acting. Um, <laughs> if I could just learn to focus, then maybe, then maybe. But these guys, these guys, I don't know how they do it. Don't know how. So how do you in do bed, it, Brett? In bed, in bed after hours, bed, bed all night, bed at dark, bed in the dark. <laughs> in the bed in the dark episode. We had a few titles. Uh, Brendan, I'd forgotten this, but very kind of, we had a thing where, and it was kind of brave on your part, which was for the first time it was like, the first draft of this we're going to do without you, like it's a gift, it's a surprise. You didn't know, he didn't know what it was going to be. Uh, and he was very like, I'm in your hands, I'm in your hands, which was very fucking brave. <laughs> I've forgotten this thing. <laughs> and and for, for Beard, all, Beard All Day in the nighttime, he, <laughs> he, uh, he was, if I may, like less, this is why you'll win the award for Beard After, after, after Dawn, because you, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he, was, he was like, I'm here as an actor, I'm here as Beard for this. Uh, but then occasionally, so there wasn't much sort of, I've had a couple of thoughts on this, like it would be on a normal episode. He was like in, in our hands, as it were. But there was occasionally where he'd go, you know, I could do a really good Irish accent. <laughs> 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 like, okay, okay, that's a good note. That is useful. And, uh, and, all, and you know, so in that episode, you, you were much more there. Well, I mean... Um... Y'all kept that script away from me for a very long time. <laughs> to the day, to the day. A very long time. It was like a uh, sort of, you didn't know that nightclub was going to be there. We just opened the door, kept the cameras going. Let's go and see his reaction. <laughs> yeah. A big reveal. Yeah. Big brave boy. Uh, uh, yeah, so, go on. To be fair, there that those were entirely new sets and so much newness like how did uh, I mean we did a companion series to season two and almost everyone said yeah 209 nearly killed me <laughs> so like Kip how did you manage that many I mean obviously you have a team that you trust a lot of incredible people building all of these things putting it all together but how do you manage something like that so so removed even with the Christmas episode just something so different from what uh, laughably I would say is predictability with like the sets and things like that. Uh, it's a lot of looking around at everybody that's really talented and going, do a great job. <laughs> no, we've got, a, we've got a really amazing team across the board. I mean, these guys do it when they write it and when they perform it and our editors, you know, cut it together and we get all kinds of things. I mean, I think they shot most of Beard After Hours out on location 
and then we had to make those locations into real places. They were doing night shoots, they were up all night, they were working against the clock the whole time, and you guys saw it, it's a super fun, wild ride that we never knew anything about Beard like that before. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed the, the whole sort of surprise of it, because it was, it was out of our norm to do something like that. So the joke about, uh, you know, cultural zeitgeist hats, how is this, um, you know, who knows? Season three, season 43, uh, we got jokes here. But if when this, this puppy does end, how, do, how are you guys, what do you hope this show is known for in 15 years? I mean, and that's, you know, I'm not trying to future cast here, but Jason, you and I have talked about, like, you can, you can pick out any 10 episodes of Scrubs and they could sit in the, you know, TV Academy. And cheers, like, I mean, guys, come on. Episode 201 last season with 10 walks in and everybody goes, Ted, would you like a drink? I mean, there's just, there's so many lovely references and ways in which this show will forever live in in our hearts, but also really probably UCLA will break this down and teach a class on it. But how do you guys hope this ends up fitting into, into what will be TV history? I mean, <laughs> my, my only hope for 15 years from now is that we all look back and we say, that's the show that launched Elodie Bromfield. Uh, <laughs> who, plays, who plays Roy's niece, Phoebe, and is... <laughs> Easily, easily everyone's favorite thing about this show, and she will be James Bond someday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, can I ask you guys something? This is one of the things I thought was interesting about season two was at the beginning, you know, we started in such a different place from season one, right? At season one, there was the, the Ted versus Rebecca sort of situation, and there was all of this, this tension. And in season two, we start with a big old happy family. And I remember there was some sort of discussion about that out, you know, people watching the show. And it really kind of culminated in the Rainbow episode when, you know, Brett, when, you, you know, Roy drops his, uh, his gig and goes back to coach. And I remember, and I thought it was something, I can't, Brett, I don't know if it was something you said in conjunction with something Jason said, but it was about the idea that, you know, people were saying the show was just all happy. Everybody loved each other. Where's our conflict? And the reality was the conflict was there. I mean, our one of our main characters had a massive meltdown on nas national television to walk off a set, but it went to this place that Jason talked about where it's a little bit of our characters. You guys wrote these characters and performed them to kind of handle these conflicts with the best versions of themselves, which I thought was really cool. And the idea of taking, like, talking about the, the sort of implication of the show or the tone of the show where what sticks with people, that, that sort of stuck with, smack, that stuck with me as, as sort of a unique way to deal with the conflict, I guess. Um, the question being, like, does that, was that the intention when you, when you started writing it? Was that how it manifested? And is that sort of where you look taking it forward? Hmm. I mean, at the beginning, I mean, at the beginning of season two, uh, again, season one hadn't come out yet. We started, we, you know, it didn't show up on, on Apple TV plus until August. And we put together the writer's room like in maybe May or June of 2020. And so, and so we were just telling the story that we were 
you know, telling. And I could maybe say that the machinations of how we released the first season, that being three episodes and then like, you know, one at a time, probably was what we were to anticipate. Um, but we wrote towards having like some level of, for lack of a better way of putting it, like cliffhanger at the end, you know, uh, of, you know, finding out where, you know, where's Jamie Tart? Oh, finding out he's on this show. Then finding out, oh, Jamie's going to join the, the the team at the end of 202. Uh, and and then 203, there's a little bit of a resolve. And then we added, you know, the Christmas episode. And that's when people, I think, like, at least on, you know, on online, like, sort of were like, oh, there was no conflict. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a Christmas episode. But <laughs> it, it's like, it's like, is Santa real? That's not a conflict? I don't know. I don't know. It's a and age. Um, but it, 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 it was intentional to let it sort of fester the same way you would, if you're looking at 10 episodes, or in this instance, 12 episodes, as like your first act, second act, third act, then, you know, your first act, you know, you're kind of like, all right, yeah, Dorothy, you know, she's, she's bored on this farm, you know? What the hell? Like, you know... Uh, and it's not until she opens up that door and then, you know, boom, it's Beard's Dance Club, a.k.a. Oz. <laughs> and uh, then then maybe that's when the conflict started. And I think the conflict for me for the season starts like at the end of episode five when you sort of have that, that great sound cue um, uh, with the, those crazy strings when you see in Nate's eyes like, oh, Roy's back. What does this mean for me? And that that clues you in or was there to clue you in to like, you know, like, oh, the, you know, the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) We had that, remember, we had that joke, Jason, when we were on, that that when people were going online, oh, it's it's just all warm and cozy and and there's no conflict. And when we were aware that like, oh yeah, from episode six onwards, it's a fucking massacre, (laughs) like... It's nice that everyone's just going like, oh, nothing happens and everything's nice. And then the next, the second half of season two is heavy shit. Fucking dark. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, you know, it's all, it's all relative, but, but I think towards Kip's point is like, we do kind of meet those conflicts, you know, head on and kind of deal with them and, and, in a, in a, you know, a way that we probably don't often enough do in real life. So, you know, there's your wish fulfillment, maybe. Like, oh, that's another way to go about doing it. But, you know. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. It's hard to talk about the third season when you're, you know, only only two weeks into it. <laughs> so, I, I, you know. It's going to be fun. Yeah. And as you can see, we're going to keep it interesting, right? We're not going to let it get too boring. We'd <laughs> like to keep it by the seat of our pants a little bit. <laughs> I'll say, um, speaking of when Brendan said I don't have an acting award yet, I've, I feel like that is like this show has been the biggest gift. These guys, every, every day I open a bin and I'm excited, whoever's in the scene, because they're going to kill it. It's I've never worked with, like so many amazing actors who, down to somebody that's just there for that day, that's just a part of that scene. Like, everybody brings something a little bit special. Like, I read the script before I watch all the dailies, so I gotta get my mind around what, you know, what the intent was. And then there's always some extra magic, something extra special that they've brought. And I mentioned that last season when working with Jason, I was like, 
the couple in 205 that comes in and delivers the monologue to the to the camera. I was like, because I remember being worried. I'm like, they have to nail it in a oneer. Like, and he's like, oh yeah, I, got, I make that happen, you know. And he's like, you just give people the lift to succeed, and they just they do that across the board. And it's just it's like lightning in a bottle. This cast and. I, I remember the Emmys came out right after 205, and I was like, or like people were voting right when 205 came out, and I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, Brett is a superstar in that one, and then I just felt like if 209 was like dropped right when people were voting, that might, you know what I mean? Like it's just like when stuff was happening because everybody shines, and then Nate, and you know, at the end I was like, and then if Nate <laughs> episode was airing, like people would just be so it's like everybody's just amazing, and it's just. So you're saying special. Brett got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In so many words. In I was so just many adding words. that together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I will say that's it's, it's worth giving a shout out to Theo Park, who's our casting director here in the UK. You know who who you know puts all those people in front of us and and really sort of you know sniffed out the the tone of the show and and then you know especially when we're casting things while the writing uh, stuff's going on. You know everybody weighs in. It's always good to hear everybody's opinions. Um, because often a lot of times writing is, is just putting your fingers on keys and, and structuring things, but also it's a lot about offering up your opinion, what you think is funny, what you think is sad, what you think is cool, what you think is, is lame, you know, equally as important. And, and having people weigh in on auditions and watching auditions and yeah, Theo just, you know, doesn't, you know, just whittle, whittles them down, has, has, a, has a great eye for what we're trying to do and, and has been, you know, tremendous. Um, and Theo is a female. Don't, don't, don't think Huxtable. She, she's a gal through and through. Um, and is that all right to mention the Huxtable still? If it's, if it's not... If it's Theo, Theo's fine. I think the Huxtable's yeah, okay. good. Good, good, all right. All right, guys, we are going to let you uh, get some rest. I know it's uh, much later there than it is here. Thank you for jumping on. Thank you for the chaos. Much appreciated. That was fun. Guys, good luck on season three. Thank you for all you do. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much.